0: Hey, it's Mark Shafley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast.
1: Super. So, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. It's Liz here, and I am super excited to be joined by Igor Larionov Second today. So, this is super excited. Anyone who knows me knows that I've been really looking forward to this. Um, Igor has been a super fun part of the uh, Twitter hockey community in the past little while. We've loved sort of getting to know him and just sort of some of the things he stands for and just sort of the person that he is. So, Igor, thank you for taking the time out of your day to join me today.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. You know, I always love to, you know, come on and chat and just hopefully give a good show to the people.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, we're looking forward to it. So um, why don't you start by sort of telling everybody about who you are, sort of tell your story the way you want it to be told. So if you kind of want to talk about, you know, growing up um, as child of a hockey player, you do that or sort of talk about what you're up to now, all of it, we want to know it all. So.
0: All right. So basically, um, my dad was a hockey player we have the same name I'm uh, Igor the second he's Igor the <laughs> first kind of kind of funny that way that, but no yeah, um I grew up in a family with um you know both of my parents are professional athletes my mom was a figure skater my dad was a hockey player so I was always always on the ice from a young age with that being said both of my sisters they were um, pursuing singing at that time so my family was always very you know artistic and um we always enjoyed, you know, music and film and all those kinds of things. So that really opened up a lot of doors for me in terms of my creativity and just, you know, developing as a human being emotionally, physically, and, you know, spiritually. But, um, yeah, so I always played hockey growing up. I, you know, was always on growing up, I was always on the top team in the nation, Honey Baked. We uh, were always on States, I was in Nationals. And going into my OHL draft year, I was, you know, I was rated to top first round, all these great things. And then, you know, I tore both of my hip labrums when I was 14 and 15, and I missed two full years of hockey. So that was, you know, a really difficult period in my life because I'm seeing all of my line mates, teammates, you know, going first round, going into the NTDP, college commitments, and I'm just literally learning how to walk again, learning how to skate again. So that was, you know, looking back, I mean, I mean I'm glad that happened because I had to, you know, develop other parts of myself as a person, and I had to actually, you know, gain some emotional intelligence because of that situation. But, um, no, it – stuff like that happens and you know I'm glad that it happened but after that you know I played in the played in the OHL for Windsor for a bit that was a great experience in my last year of junior I decided to switch to the USHL to play on, on a team that was sort of going for the you know going to win it all and we had a lot of good players I think from that year we have I think nine or eight players that play pro already and it's only been two or three years so you know, we had a really solid team. We have, I think everyone's either playing pro right now or they're playing Division I uh, college hockey. So super, super talented team. After that, I went over to Russia to play for Scott. You know, I go to training camp on a tryout contract. Last day camp, uh, they tell me I'm going to make the team because there's a rule where you have to have uh, three players under 20 on the roster. And they had me for that position as a forward. And I was like, I'm so excited blah. all these great things. They called me up for the... Um, olympic national team which in russia there's two national teams there's the top national team with all like the you know the grown men and what i whatnot like the you know 27 25 30 year old how you know pretty much the the top of the top and then there's the second national team which is the young guys people who they're developing for the future so i got called up for that national team to play in a tournament which you know obviously super exciting and so last day of camp i get all this news i'm super pumped you know i call my my mom and dad i tell them all these great things and then we get on the track to do um, some sprints uh, we we'll do every day. We do uh, 16 sets of 400 meter sprints every day in training camp. And on the last sprint, I ended up tearing my glute and I missed pretty much the entire season. So that was not this season, the season prior to that, I only played two games. I was able to come back and then the world shut down for COVID. So it was kind of... um you know, kind of a, an odd situation because, you know, as things are seeming to go up, they quickly went down, but you know, those lows are what sort of help you, you know, overcome things in the future. But after that, I spent a lot of time, like everyone else training at home, just getting ready. And I was planning on going to some NHL camps this past um, summer, because I had some opportunities, some chances, you know, to potentially sign either entry level or AHL deal, but nothing was really starting at that point. And I, I knew I couldn't go two full years without playing. So I went over to the KHL to play for Kuhnland Red Star. And that was a great experience. Uh, it was, you know, really difficult in the COVID world because I was in North America. So when I flew over, obviously there was quarantine. You have to wait for a certain amount of time before you can start practicing. And then once you got that, you have to, you know, go through all the tests, all the medical. So I was able to play a game. I actually first of all I signed a three uh three game contract as a as a tryout because they didn't have any money to give anyone guaranteed contracts. So everyone that went over for us, they had to sign a you know a tryout, which was kind of interesting. You know there were some guys who had NHL experience signing tryouts. They were you know joking around the locker room like they've never had to sign a tryout contract before. But um so basically I played three games. I had two points and you know they they ended up signing me for the rest of the year, and then I played one more game. And then I started to feel kind of sick, but we were on the road and we weren't getting COVID tested yet. I played one more game and then we got back and I had a temperature and all these things. I wasn't feeling well. So I tested positive for COVID, which you know was a bummer because I came over late because I was waiting for the season to start in North America. And while I was in North America, the entire team already had COVID. So there was already a time when, you know, everyone missed all the games. And when I got there, I was like me and two, three other people weren't sick yet. So three of us got sick. And at that point, you know, the entire team's playing. It's not like when you come back, you're all at, you know, ground zero, everyone's going at a hundred and you're basically in bed for two weeks. So when I got back, I, it was weird. I wasn't feeling really well when I got back, like the illness itself wasn't bad at all. It felt like the flu, you know, pretty, pretty mild. But when I got back, it was very hard. Like I couldn't recover I my heart rate was getting to 190 just by warming up and stretching like it was very scary and at a certain point it just didn't get any better so they basically shut me down for the year I flew to Detroit to get you know tests from the Red Wings doctors and they said I had um some like nervous system issue after COVID which they say actually happens to a lot of athletes because they're they're so overtrained that your body can't you know recover it basically it recovers but your nervous system is so like um uptight that anything you do causes your heart rate to go up. And they basically said, if I was a regular person who didn't, you know, train and do all these grueling exercises, I wouldn't even know because I just live my regular life, feel fine. But when you have to perform at the highest you know level, obviously that gets in the way. So I had some heart monitors on for, for like a couple of weeks, they were testing me doing all these things. And after that, they said, you know, it's not life threatening to take three months off. And after that, you should be fine. So the three months ended about a month ago and now I'm fully training. I'm feeling fantastic, like better than I ever have. And, you know, I'm just thankful that I was able to be, you know, caught because when I was in Russia, I was training as hard as I can. And at the very start of it, it's very dangerous because your heart rate gets super high and you can get risk a heart attack or, you know, heart failure or anything like that. So super lucky. I avoided all of that. And also lucky enough that I was able to get the proper treatment and get that figured out.
1: Oh, it's uh, it's crazy how at the end of that you a couple times mentioned how lucky you are because it seems like you've had a couple unlucky breaks in, in your career so far, but I really sure. like the positive outlook and it's um, actually crazy. I've never heard of that um, that whole nervous system issue, but it totally makes sense and I've heard of a lot of it, uh, athletes having a lot of that, um, those sort of lingering things and, you know, with the Vancouver Canucks coming back into play mm-hmm. this week and, you know, JT Miller, as we speak, is having a press release and he's talking about how he can't even, you know, skate very long without breathing, it, like he can can't breathe properly and stuff and it's just so scary I'm, I'm glad you're doing well now that's really great to hear and it's really encouraging yeah, it's so very- what does oh sorry
0: Oh, sorry no no i was just saying like i have some friends that were playing in russia because in in the khl pretty much everyone was sick i think it was 98 percent of the league that had it it was yeah it was pretty brutal and i know a lot of people that had similar you know side effects to me like i was talking to one of my buddies who who should be playing in the in the finals right now but he hasn't been able to play in three months because he, he hasn't recovered from that yet so it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty big issue. There was actually some guys that were in the hospital. I think one guy was on a respirator because he had some, you know, condition that people didn't really notice at first, but that's the thing. It affects everyone differently. Some people, they miss two weeks, don't feel anything at all. Get back. They feel great. Other people like me felt fine while they were sick. And then when they get back, they, you know, can't really do much. So it's all about patience in my opinion, you know, patience and treating everyone differently.
1: Yeah, yeah, amen to that. I think that makes sense. There are lots of people, yeah, who, you know, are probably 10 times less healthy than you that got COVID and didn't really react to it. And they're like, oh, guys, it's a hoax kind of thing. But you have to really respect that everyone, you know, reacts to it differently. So that's um, good. What? So what does the next little bit look like for you? Like, what are you planning on doing? Obviously, you've had issues that have changed sort of your, what you're supposed to be doing. So what does the next little bit look like for you? Do you hope (laughs) uh, it's going to be like?
0: So basically um, when I, all this happened to me, there's only two months left in the season and my team, we were dead last. So we were already, you know, eliminated from the playoffs. So by the time I got all these like tests and everything, when they shut me down, there was pretty much a month left in the season. So I didn't really miss too much, um, too much. You know, I wasn't really too behind and basically I've just been in off season mode. I've been training. I've been, you know, getting ready. I personally would not like to go back to Russia because I feel like I have a better opportunity to, you know, develop over here and I have some opportunities in the you know in the American League here and potentially even some entry-level ch- chances because there's not too many players that you know played in the KHL at a young age and you know are willing to come over because considering everything we do get paid a lot more over there if you're if you're a young player then you would get paid here so in terms of that there's some opportunity but no I just want to you know be the best version of myself in terms of you know physical fitness shape and everything and I'm confident that once you know all these camps everything open up closer to you know August September I'll be ready to go and I could definitely show what I can do and I'm confident I can earn a spot like I earned a spot last year when I went over to the KHL
1: nice so what has your kind of um, upbringing I was sort of doing some looking around I know you did a little bit of you played some like minor hockey as like a kid in the state like have you lived in the states your whole life or what's kind of been your relationship with Russia and the states like where you've grown up and whatnot
0: Um, It's, it was most of my, most of my life I spent in the States. I pretty much how it went for us was we'd spend the full year, like the scholastic school year, if you call it that way in, um, in the States. And then for summer vacation, we'd go to Russia to visit, you know, grandparents, uncles, cousins, you know, family members. So we pretty much spend all year in, um, in the States and then maybe two months in Russia. And yeah, growing up, I never played over there. I always played over here. and you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that because I feel like you, you're you able to learn a lot more. They, you know, they teach you systems and all these different things over here or over there. It's more of like a, a skill free for all, but I was able to get that like skill work with my dad in just like individual training. So, you know, it's sort of like an awesome opportunity when you're able to get the North American structure, you know, from your youth hockey coaches, but also that skill and that, you know, free, willing, you know, open style of hockey from like a guy like my dad, which was, which is really cool because not many people get the opportunity to get both of the best of both worlds.
1: Right. I actually want to touch on that a little bit because, um, I feel like a lot of, you know, the North American coaches, especially at the highest level, there's a lot of recycling. There's a lot of the same guys and they, yeah. they tend to have quite similar styles of play, quite similar philosophies. Your dad was the coach of the Russian junior team this year, correct? Yeah, and he has a bit of a different philosophy in the sense, right, where he's sort of more into, like you were saying, with the Russian style of, you know, having fun and developing the skills. Do you want to touch on that a little bit and sort of explain what his kind of philosophy is there?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, His philosophy is basically how they used to play when he was a player. Like, if you look at the way the Russian Five played in Detroit, that's how, you know, he coaches. And it's the way he says it, you don't need to have a lot of skill to play in the system. All you need to do is have the ability to pick your head up and make quick passes and move around. Because when you look at the way most people think of skill nowadays, it's toe drags, it's all these like fancy Michigan moves. But in reality, the, the best form of skill is, you know, hockey sense. It's reading the play. It's making a quick pass. It's creating space for yourself. Like a guy like, you know, Crosby or something, you don't really see him doing too many like fancy you know tricks or even McDavid. Sure. McDavid's fast. He has this stick handling But some of his best assets are just reading the play, creating space for himself and using his teammates. And that's literally something that pretty much anyone could be taught. And, you know, whenever he coaches a team, it's the biggest thing is in practice, they work on passing, they work on movement, they work a lot, a lot on breakouts where everyone has to touch the puck. Whereas, you know, a lot of coaches here, it's, you know, one pass the blue line, chip it in and, you know, you go chase after it. Whereas his whole philosophy is, you know, we would rather play with the puck than, you know, give it away. And, you know, I think if you have the, um, the right players, that system could be very effective. And it's a lot more fun to play for the players. Like I'll tell you that for sure. I talked to a lot of the guys on the on the world junior team. I have a lot of friends on that team and they all said they didn't want to go back to their teams because they were having so much fun playing because they're usually they're so afraid to make a mistake. Whereas here they're almost you're, you're told to, to try these things because if you don't try them, then you're just going to be a safe player. And there are so many safe players out there. And the ones that stand out are the ones that, you know, that try these, I don't want to say risky plays, but almost like they, they try things that other guys wouldn't try. And that's what really separates, you know, the greats from the good players.
1: Yeah. And I love that. And I think, you know, a lot of time in regular lives and stuff like that, people are like, oh, you should, you know, enjoy your job. Like you shouldn't work a day in your life if you like what you're doing. And I feel like at a certain sense, of course, hockey is hockey and it's fun. But if every day you're not even having fun and you're just being forced to do similar things over and over again, it might not, it might take a little bit of the joy out of that. So I think that's a really neat uh, philosophy. I feel like it's probably worked obviously for you know the Russian five like you were saying and the world junior team this year really you know gave all the other teams a run for their money and stuff so I really like that um yeah it's a fun
0: style of play for sure pardon me it's a really fun style like a lot a lot of the times you come to the rank and you're just it's it's almost like a struggle because you want to you know try something or enjoy something and it's almost like they're trying to make you into a robot whereas here it's like express yourself we don't want robots you know that's you know, for especially like a player like myself, that's, you know, the type of coach that I, you know, I dream to play for. And a lot of guys really would you know love to play for a guy like that.
1: And speaking from a fan perspective, I'd love to be a fan of a team that's coached in that way, too, because sometimes, you know, when you're watching a two minute power play and I can tell you exactly what each move is going to be. It takes a little bit of joy out of watching the game. So, um, yeah. Exactly um that's that's cool I I kind of want to circle back when you're talking about how you had a couple of those injuries and you've had a lot of time you've had to take off of hockey which is unfortunate but you said you sort of clued into a little bit of more of your kind of creative side emotional intelligence what are some of the cooler things about you that aren't really hockey related in that sense
0: um that's an interesting question because a loaded I, question, I know. <laughs> but no it's good I, I appreciate that kind of question um The way I I look at it is a lot of hockey players, when they they go up the ranks, they don't really have many um, issues. You know, it's like you're the best player here, the best player there, you get drafts there, you keep going, you keep going, and nothing really brings them down. So they sort of live in a way like, you know, I'm invincible, I can do anything. But when these issues come up, and you have some doubt about yourself, or, you know, just something tough happens, you start to realize that you're you you can not just be a hockey player. You need to develop other parts of your life. You need to, you know, be more well-rounded than just someone who can come into a room and just tell a hockey story. You need to be able to talk about all sorts of things. So for me, when that happened, I really, you know, was able to get into fashion, was able to get into you know music, um, film, a little bit of politics, and just I try to read as much as possible and learn as much as possible because I I, I feel like more times than not when I meet someone interesting the conversation isn't about hockey it's about you know other things and that's really that's really helped me throughout the uh, throughout my life because when I meet interesting people a lot of them you know hockey isn't the biggest sport in the world and not too many people um, you know know a lot about hockey obviously there's a lot of people that do but you know you meet a lot of people that don't know what it is so when I meet those people I'm able to you know talk about other other things that you know are more w- common in the world and. You know that's really helpful, especially when you're trying to mar- uh, network and you know, just meet new people. So in terms of that, that really gave me the, um, you know, sort of like the motivation to explore a little bit outside of the box and to, to be a little bit more creative in how I dress and how I you know, how I you know perceive myself to the world and all these different things. So, yeah, I mean it, I'm very very glad that happened because I would not want to be someone who's just you know, a a dumb jock for lack of a better word, who is just an athlete that doesn't know anything else. Like I'd rather, I'd rather be someone that's well-rounded than someone who, you know, had straight up success all the way to the top. Because if you're well-rounded, you can have success in a lot of different places. And I think that's something that, you know, I strive to do in my life.
1: Right, yeah, and you hear a lot about that with people who have these unfortunate career ending injuries, and when hockey's been all that they, they've ever known, it's tough for them to sort of regroup and find other things if they have no other interests, and I know a lot of the time they try and, you know, squeeze a little bit of personality out of some of these NHL players, and sometimes it's really just not there. Hockey is what they do, and that, that's it, so it's it's quite refreshing um, to know that there are people not like that, <laughs> um, but one of the main reasons that I was kind of drawn to ask you to come on to the podcast here is that you've been quite vocal in a lot of these different areas that and now I don't want to paint people with a color because that's not fair but NHL players as a general whole tend not to speak out about lots of things like the LGBTQ plus community, um, Black Lives Matter, the anti, anti-Asian racism movement, a lot of things like that and I find that they are quite silent on a lot of fronts there and you've been quite vocal about that and I want you to sort of tell me why that's important to you and why that's become a thing that you are, you know, kind of passionate about.
0: Yeah, um, I've always been passionate about speaking my truth and what I believe in. I, especially if I have a platform, I'm not going to, you know, sit in silence. And if I see a group of people being marginalized, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, just close my eyes and pretend it's not happening. Because in my opinion, if, if you do nothing, you are part of the problem. If you have the opportunity to reach a certain amount of people and you're not doing that, well, then I'm sorry, but you're not making a society a better place. So that's why I honestly look at it as when I write tweet these things, or when I write these, um, you know, things about, you know, the LGBT community about um, Black Lives Matter about stopping, uh, you know, the violence on uh, uh, people of Asian descent, it's, it's not because, you know, it's, it's, it's because of like, for me, it's common sense, like you shouldn't treat someone who was from Asia differently, because they're not from they don't look like you like that that doesn't make any sense to me or like just because someone has a different sexual orientation that doesn't mean that you have the right to belittle them if anything that's just shows that you're the person that has you know the problem like for me everyone is I look at everyone as as an equal and I try to judge people based off of their character not based off of their skin color their religion and yeah, there are good and bad straight people. There are good and bad people in every community. That's, I understand that. But if the majority of a community is being marginalized, I can't you know, just sit there and be okay with it. That's not the type of person that I am. And that's why I just want to use my platform to you know, help as many people as possible because sure, it's great to be an athlete. There's a lot of people that are you know, good athletes and that's it. I want to be someone that does more than that.
1: I, I really like that and I think, I, I feel like you were almost like kind of struggling forwards at the beginning just because it doesn't make sense to you that people could just write off an entire population just Absolutely. with this hateful way. And I get that and it's really, and I think it's really refreshing for people to hear that from people who have probably privilege or sorry um, benefited from pro- white privilege, male privilege, straight privilege in their lifetime, right? So I think mm-hmm. that's really encouraging. And I know a lot of hockey fans who are part of these marginalized communities who often feel they are underrepresented. And I think it's really great for you to help amplify their voices. We appreciate that.
0: Oh, well, Of course, I mean, yeah, it's it's I I literally don't understand how people can can live and hate like that's. I, 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 I still can't understand it fully to bring it to words how you can just hate someone for their skin color. It, it I, I don't understand it. And like you said, I am a straight white male. Like I, I have so much privilege, but even still when I cross the border coming back to the United States, their tone changes as soon as I hand them my passport and they see that I have a foreign name. It goes from welcome home, sir. to you know, we're going to need to ask you a couple questions, come to the back with us. And I'm a white guy who is straight, who comes from a, a, a wealthy community and I'm getting these problems. I can't even imagine how difficult it is for someone in one of these marginalized communities to go through these things every single day. So when that happens to someone like me, I can't help but think how difficult it is for someone, you know, in the, in like the Black Lives community or in the, or in the Asian community or just any, anyone who, doesn't look like the people who are you know stamping passports or has a different name to, to someone who is stamping passports or to a police officer or anything like that like until my mom was pulled over and she has a very thick russian accent and the cop literally says how can someone like you afford such a nice car and i i'm like i'm thinking what does that mean like someone like you someone who has an accent can't afford a nice car someone who who's um ID says they weren't born in the United States, can't afford a nice car. And then he made her get out of the car and they searched the car, which is, you know, outrageous, someone for, you know, going two miles above the speed limit, something like stupid like that. So if that can happen to, you know, someone who is has so much privilege, then for me to just realize that there are people that don't have as much privilege and have to deal with that every day. I, I mean, I can't stay quiet and I have to, you know, support and at least somehow spread the word because I feel like a lot of hate comes from a lack of knowledge and if what I say at least gets one person to read about it and to understand then for me that's a win. I
1: yeah that's that's awesome and I think that's I I like what you said there about how you have like a slight kind of glimpse into it when it's the last name thing because you have a foreign last name and I think a lot of people like myself would be like that Um, when there are small things that happen I'm a white woman not nearly in the same situation as black indigenous and women of color but when you know you feel a little bit of that oppression you just can't imagine what it's like when it's magnified in such a way and yeah i yeah (laughs) um thank you for sharing that and i think that's really important and i hope if people take one thing away from this interview it's not that you're a freaking sick dude it's that these are the kinds of things you need to learn about and um these are the kinds of things like you said a lot of it stems from lack of knowledge so the more you can learn the better of course um so I kind of wanted to get into a little bit of fun stuff too so obviously we are a Jets podcast Jets fans kind of listening here um have you ever been to Winnipeg do you know anything about Winnipeg sort of what is your what do you know about Winnipeg (laughs) um
0: honestly I don't know much about Winnipeg I've never been I've never been to the city um one thing that I do know is my dad told me when they used to play in Winnipeg it was the the coldest city in the NHL (laughs) so that's that's pretty much the the one thing I know about uh Winnipeg, but no, I have a couple of friends that, you know, that one of them is from there. He played juniors with me. He always talked about it. I said it's a really nice place. And one of my uh buddies plays for the Manitoba Moose right now. So I have some connections to Winnipeg, but I've never been there. But I mean I'd definitely love to, you know, check it out. I'm always curious to see new places and hopefully in the future I'll be able to stop by.
1: Yeah, it, it's pretty special. Like, if I look out my window right now, we got 25 centimeters of snow yesterday. Oh. So it's, uh, you know, we, we kind of embrace it at this point. And, like, a lot of hockey fans feel it's, you know, our hockey team is kind of the biggest thing that we all have in common. And it's really special to us. So even for someone like yourself, who's not from Winnipeg, has never played in the organization, people just love to hear from you because we just love hockey. <laughs>
0: no, that's, that's awesome. I, you know, I appreciate when people enjoy such a great game like hockey I think it's great
1: yeah so I also kind of wanted to just ask you a little bit about some fun Mm -hmm. silly questions so who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup this year
0: that's a tough one um that's a really tough one I might not get a lot of love for this answer from the Jets fans but I I think I, I don't know I just I just feel something with the Leafs I don't know.
1: I was feeling good about this man until you they're, said that. Come they're, on. <laughs> they're
0: probably gonna choke. They're probably gonna choke, but
1: we're, we're counting on it. We're counting on it. Just, um, the
0: play is fun to watch to me, and I, I <laughs> like watching teams like that. So,
1: okay, to build on that, who is your favorite NHL team to watch?
0: Probably the Leafs or the Oilers, because I just I like to watch great players. <laughs> like, Terrible <I> mean, answers. <laughs> the Jets are obviously great to watch too. Like I honestly they'll probably be my third team in well
1: now of- you're just saying that to
0: redeem no, yourself <laughs> honestly, those three teams play like it's always one of the games that I watch like there's a lot of teams in the NHL that if they're playing like it's a that's like a hard pass you know there's a lot of teams that are really really you know boring for lack of a better word but no those three teams are they're a lot of fun to watch I always enjoyed watching the Caps too because Ovi and like you never know what he's going to do and I think that's great but no, I think those three, those three first teams that I named are are the three most entertaining teams to watch for sure.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. And I think the reason that we hate the Oilers and the Leafs so much is because they are that entertaining and that good. So yeah. I do understand. I understand. I don't like it, but I understand. Um yeah. if you were to sort of pick one NHL player that you think you have a similar style of game to, who do you think it would be, past or present? And not don't say your dad, because that's a lame answer. Yeah. On, no, so. that
0: is a lame answer. I never say that. Um <laughs> Usually when people compare me, I always get compared to Vine and on carolina That's oh. the, the main comparison I get. It's, it's actually come from a lot of different places, from a lot of different people that I don't even know. But they give that comparison a lot because it's sort of like a, a pass first player, you know, good skating and just reads the game pretty well. That's probably what people would say about my uh, style of play.
1: Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you had to play for what NHL team, what team would you play for?
0: Oh, the, the New York Rangers.
1: Interesting. That was a really fast answer. How come?
0: I just think there's nothing cooler than being, you know, a young guy in the city of New York. The possibilities are endless. Like, I read Sean Avery's book. I'm really big in fashion. Like, I I have a lot of, you know, interests in that. And, you know, he was able to intern at Vogue. So, you know, he basically said in his book that if you play there and you're well, you know, you can hold yourself in a conversation, you, you know, you can market, you, you know how to meet new people. The possibilities are endless. And I feel like based off of my experience in my life, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty well versed in all of those. So I think if I were to play in a city like that, I could really, you know, grow my brand, which is kind of selfish to say, but that's obviously you need to think about your career, you know, on the ice and off the ice, but also playing in a city like New York where there's so many lights I thrive in those, you know, environments under the bright lights, under the, the microscope. So yeah, I mean, that's honestly a dream of mine. There's so many opportunities off the ice, but also to play in Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, that is is literally a dream. Like I'm getting goosebumps just like talking about that. So for me, that that's the the biggest dream that I have.
1: Totally. Yeah, I I like that. I think uh there's been a time or two where most notably Jacob Truba one of our beloved Jets you know just the big stage was calling obviously there are other reasons but I totally understand the appeal especially if that's the kind of person that you are someone that thrives in a situation like that it'd be super cool um if you could go grab a beer with one NHL player currently in the NHL player who would it be
0: hmm. so that's a hard question because not many of them seem to um too fun to grab a beer with
1: <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> this this answer is gonna be kind of kind of dumb because I know this person really well so I I know it's like when you watch your favorite movie you know you're gonna like it so I would probably grab and I wouldn't grab a beer with him I'd probably grab um you know uh, a margarita with probably with Alex Ovechkin
1: oh yeah I feel like that wouldn't there would never be a dull time with Alex Ovechkin I know like a lot of guys like He's always been one that's high, had a bit of a personality, I think, to me. But when those guys win the cup, that's when you really see it come through. And he looked like he was having a ball. So he's a great
0: that's- guy. He's like, it's people think he's like this big tough guy, but he's like, he's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Super funny and just, yeah. I mean, of, of all the players that I know, he's probably the one that I would look up to and be like, yeah, this guy's pretty cool.
1: Nice. Um, if you had to play like a one v one hockey game against any of the guys in the NHL, who would it be?
0: One v one, interesting. I pride myself in my one v one skills. Like that's one of the things that like I think I'm pretty good at. Like when we do one v one in practice, I'm always one of the guys that you know is able to get to the net. Usually, one v ones in practice, you know, full ice against a defenseman. Most guys, you know, lose the puck by the red line. And I, I think my like one v one skills are pretty good because I've obviously done a lot of skill development work with my dad growing up. So I'd like a challenge. I'd probably go against. You know, a guy like Shea Weber, I'd be really interested to test my skills against just like a, a big, mean, hard-hitting defenseman that like I would try to like, you know, get him off his off his edges a bit, try to like pull up some deception and just try some different things. Cause I feel like when you go against the best, then it becomes a bit easier going against, you know, other guys.
1: True. There you go. Start big and then you can, you know, if you beat Shea Weber, then people will assume that you could beat anyone, sure. you know, below him on the on the yeah on the food chain there so um okay and then a couple of less hockey related questions because i know i for one love getting to know like just the people that you are because like of it's, yeah.
0: no, it's, it's a lot of fun. Favorite. so
1: uh mm-hmm. if you weren't doing hockey what would you be doing
0: okay um again i love this question it's one of my favorites to answer honestly i've always wanted to um, to get into uh, get behind the camera sort of like um film or or tv I've done some commercial acting before, which, you know, was a lot of fun. But then when I moved to LA, I was at the hair salon, dyeing my hair platinum blonde, which, you know, it's a lot of fun. But this, um, this woman came up to me, she was, um, a VP of this big modeling agency in Los Angeles. And she, she was like, uh, she talked to me, she said, like, can I see your Instagram? I showed her my Instagram and, you know, she wanted to meet and all these things. And I was like, hmm, okay, like, pretty cool. But I got cold feet because I was afraid that it might, you know, affect hockey a little bit. So I sort of, you know, pulled back on that. But if I wasn't in hockey, that's probably something I would do. Because I feel like if a VP of an agency tells you you can do something, I mean, that's, you know, it's a pretty big confidence booster. <laughs> but also, I, I love being behind the camera. I love just, you know, creating content. So I definitely want to do something like that.
1: Nice. I like that. And I, I thought you were going to say something with fashion. So I think it's cool. And again, this totally draws into you having a lot of different interests and stuff like that. So it's really cool. Um, what are some of your favorite movies? I'm not going to say top five, top three, or number one, because sometimes it's hard, but oh, some I can, go, of I can
0: go top 10. I have a, I have a list. I have a list of 250 films.
1: Oh, wow. I, okay. And like I, make, with the top I 10. make
0: lists for everything. I literally make lists for everything. So
1: wow.
0: it's on it's in my notes here somewhere. Let me <laughs> find my own. Um, See. All right. Found it. All right. So this is my top 10. I'll go from number 10. Number 10, it is Return of the King, the third Lord of the Rings movie.
1: Great choice.
0: Number nine, Shawshank Redemption. Number eight, uh, Inception. Seven is uh, Whiplash.
1: Never seen that one.
0: Oh, it's amazing. It's, it, it's so, so good. The acting is incredible. Then number six is a classic, Back to the Future. Number five, Count of Monte Cristo. I love the book and I love the film. It's you know, it's I think it's as good a story as you can like ever read or watch.
1: It's a great book. I agree. I never watched the movie, but it was a great book.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you haven't watched the movie, I definitely recommend it. It's it's the type of movie that I watch like once every you know six months. It's just it's I think it's nice. incredible. Number four is a bit off the map. It's Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Okay, I saw that movie it literally blew me away it was just I love Edgar Wright films and his directing style is so unique the way he the cuts that he uses are, are pretty incredible because it's so it's it's just not what you would expect in a film like the way he he's able to create suspense just using his camera without any you know dialogue without any music it's it's literally just him and the camera creating a story which I think is incredible Number three is my favorite comedy of all time, Tropic Thunder.
1: Okay.
0: I think that's hilarious. Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in it is absolutely incredible. The fact that he was able to be nominated for a best, he was best supporting actor in a comedy film. Like that's, that's unheard of. You know, doesn't happen, yeah. doesn't happen. That's like a goalie being nominated for the Selkie Trophy. Like that, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Number two is a very underrated film, in my opinion. It is The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. It is a 70s crime, sort of like um, thriller. It's very, very like, it also has a very like light tone. So it's it's very funny, but it's also very witty in the writing. And then number one is my favorite film of all time. I saw it in theater seven times and that is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, wow,
1: okay. Interesting. I feel oh. like that's the kind of movie that a film junkie would really enjoy. So, yeah.
0: No, I saw it seven times in theaters. Like, I, I was blown away by it.
1: Uh, the most times I've ever seen any movie in theaters is three. And that was the second Mamma Mia movie. So, <laughs> um, okay. And then I also wanted to ask you about music. So, who are your favorite music artists?
0: So, my favorite musicians currently, I would say, are I Love the Neighborhood. It's one of my favorite groups. And then I love Youngblood, I think he's got an incredible voice. I love the the new Machine Gun Kelly, how he totally changed his, his look from sort of like rap to more of like a Blink-182 punk rock type, type thing. I'm a big fan of Harry Styles. I think he's sort of like this generation's David Bowie, which is, you know, absolutely incredible. Like he's one of my, you know, influences just in general and how he lives and everything he does, sort of like Bowie. Then I love Rufus Dusolder, this Australian, um, Sort of like house, chill house group. They're they're very they're insane. Like I, I've been meaning to see them live at least two or three times, and each time something's come up. So that's it's a bit of a bummer. Who else do I like? Who else do I like? Arctic monkeys. Love Arctic Monkeys. I mean, in my opinion, they're the best rock band currently out there. And that's probably it for me in terms of um, favorite musicians, but I think those guys are just you know incredible.
1: Nice. And of those people, who do you think is going to be like the first one that you're going to prioritize seeing once COVID is over?
0: Probably Harry Styles.
1: Great choice. Great choice.
0: I've been wanting to see him live for a while. So.
1: Have you ever seen him live?
0: Never, never. It's been. That
1: means you never went to a One Direction concert.
0: No, I was. I wasn't too big in One Direction when they were like on top of the world. I was like sort of like you know a low key fan, but I don't know. I. I really got into him when he went, um, when he went solo. I was like a casual fan, blah blah blah. But then I watched this interview with Zayn Lowe on Apple TV Music or whatever it's called. And watching his interview, I just felt so connected to him, to everything he was talking about, all of his personal struggles and his issues. And I was like, I've never watched someone that I can be like, that's literally you know a lot of the time how I feel. So after that, I started listening to a lot of his music and. When I listen to music, I don't just for me music isn't just like an escape, it's a, it's an opportunity to tell a story. So when I listen to to an album, I like to go from start to finish and thoroughly analyze the lyrics and everything and that way it sort of paints a picture of, you know, what story the artist is trying to tell. And because of that, I thoroughly went through his albums and, you know, I got a very, you know, good picture of what he was trying to paint and, you know, it's it's the picture of like fine line, falling in love, losing that, the feeling of just absolute sorrow and pain. And then you get to the stage of where it's like, you're kind of like numb, the feeling of remembering the relationship and then acceptance and growth and freedom. So I feel like a lot of people that like listen to it casually, they're like, oh, Watermelon Sugar, it's like a a fun song. But in reality, the album is very bittersweet. And I just love when, you can put something out that has one meaning to you know a casual listener or someone who's not really involved but if you dig deep there are so many more meanings and that's you know something that i i try to you know implement in like even my my instagram captions my tweets sometimes just like things where it tells a story and that's sort of i find that really cool personally
1: yeah, for certain. Sure. Like pretty much everyone who listens knows that I was a massive one direction fan and I kind of gatekeep being fans of the boys themselves, but I agree that like it's really great to see kind of the emergence of him cuz you know, he, you wouldn't have had that same connection to him when he's in the band cuz that sort of they all had to be like one uniform group sort of. But I like that explanation. I permit you to be a Harry Styles fan. You you have my blessing. So, thank you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate <laughs>
1: Um, I also want to know what are some of your favorite books? Uh, I feel like you talked about how you read the Academy of Monte Cristo. I feel like that's an interesting one that not everyone has read. So are you a big reader? Do you have some favorite books, recommendations for anyone?
0: I'm a, I'm a big reader of, um, autobiographies. Like I, I read a lot of books that I don't really read many stories. I read books that I can take stuff from and implement to my life to, to reach a, a level of success that I'm going after. So, but in terms of like stories, like I read I think five or six of the Harry Potter books. I read the Percy Jackson series four times through. Like that was that was my Harry Potter growing up. Percy, you Jackson. are
1: after my heart today, Igor. Like that is my three personality traits: are One Direction, hockey, and Percy Jackson. So I, can, I agree. Good for you. Look. I actually have you, my computer propped up on a couple of those hardback books right now to get a better angle, but that's nice. Those are good. And I think it's interesting. Not everyone is a huge fan of autobiographies, but uh, I think that's a really good sort of takeaway is if you're saying you sort of want to learn how to, you know, better yourself, those are great examples to use.
0: And it's, it's great because there's so many people in different fields that are successful that you can literally, it's, that's why I'm, I'm so grateful for the generation that I'm in because there's no excuse to not reach your full potential with all the knowledge out there. Like there are so many books, so many articles, there's just so much opportunity to learn and to better yourself as a, you know, in every way possible. So for me, when I, like I, the last autobiography I read was by a soccer player, Rio Ferdinand, who was, you know, he was a big star over in England and you know, just reading about his life and the things that he did, it's, it, I, I learned so much from that. And it's such an easy way to learn about other people and how they reached their success, because sure, I might read it. And a lot of the things he said or did, like, I might not agree with it, or I might not, you know, want to live my life like that. But if I find one thing that could potentially, you know, get me from here to here, you know, that's a win in my eyes, because that's, that's such a gift, the opportunity to learn something that can help you on later in life
1: nice i like that maybe i should go read an autobiography i feel like i haven't read one of those in a while you've inspired me i'll have to do that um so you're big into music do you play any instruments are you a musical guy yourself are you more just an appreciator of the arts
0: i don't play any instruments my sister is a she plays guitar i've been asking her to teach me to play guitar for a really long time Um, both of my sisters were sort of like musicians when they were growing up they were on american idol I forget what year they got to the top 75. So, you know, they have some experience with that. They would sing the anthem at games when my dad was playing. So I always grew around, around that environment. Like when my dad played in New Jersey, we pretty much lived in New York because my sisters were always in the recording studio, recording music. So I per- basically grew up in, in a rink, a recording studio in like meetings with, I don't know, like uh, production companies, label companies, all these types of things. So i'm really well versed in that and you know i don't play any instruments i i sing a little bit which i have a a friend of mine who's a producer in russia he wants to write an album for me which is pretty cool i think sort of like a punk rock style album sort of like you know like a machine Gun kelly type thing because he says that's really hot right now which i agree it is really hot but no i mean i think that that'd be a lot of fun and i'd definitely be down to do that so we're in the process of doing that right now and you know we'll see where that goes maybe i I'll get some guitar lessons from my sister and in a couple of years you'll see me playing the guitar or singing a song.
1: <laughs> well it sounds like you'd have a hell of a autobiography yourself so we got uh, lots of, and you know what you're what 22 years old you got lots of life left to live so who knows where you'll you'll go from here. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day this was super fun I really enjoyed getting to know you and just sort of helping our listeners and people learn just about you know that life isn't all about hockey, and while you could be super good at that, there are all kinds of other things that you can, uh, you know, be worried about too, so <laughs> thank you so much.
0: Of course, thank you for having me. It was a blast to, you know, talk about some, you know, things besides getting pucks in deep and pucks on net.
1: <laughs> I'm Kirk Gilback, and thank you for listening to the jet centric Broadcast.